and welcome to Generation Mix. This is the podcast where a father and a son review the CDs that dad's been making for the son for the last five or six years. I'm the dad, I'm Neil. I'm the son, I'm John. And if you picked up on our musical clue from the last episode, then you'll have worked out that we are listening for the second time to the music of... The Beatles! So this is my favourite band, which I believe I said way back in episode one. I'd always intended that we do a volume two of Beatles music because there is just so much great stuff. Let's go straight in into uh, what I've picked here, which is kind of like two tracks. It's from the Sgt Pepper album and it is Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band reprise, which then segues into A Day in the Life. Day in the Life may well lay claim to being my all-time favourite song. It's certainly one of the ten contenders when we get to that episode on my YouTube channel. When we do the uh, ten down to one, you can Day in the Life will be in there. Spoiler. And besides, like I said, I knew I would do a second volume way, way back at the beginning. And so maybe I thought holding something like... Something great like Day in the Life back for Volume 2 would mean that Volume 2 had a great uh, level of legitimacy. It also might have been because I don't think I had the software on my computer. Because what I did with this is that on a CD, they are two separate tracks. And there's this tiny little pause as it shifts into the next track, which you don't get on vinyl, which is the original medium they were released on. And I wanted to expunge that tiny little gap because it irritates me when I hear it. And so... I don't think I had the editing software to do it as, as well as I might have done. Going back to the Help album from 1965, which I think was the great leap forward in terms of their songwriting, although most people would say it was Rubber Soul from the same year. This is a McCartney-led track. It is Another Girl. Dislike this one. Well, that's kind of damning with faint praise. I don't, I don't dislike this one. I don't one. particularly like this one, though. But you're not that keen on it. Now, on volume one, it was quite McCartney heavy, wasn't it? Of the yeah. of, of the Lennon and McCartney songwriting partnership. And I think I included only one George Harrison song, which was something. And 
for completeness sake, I also included Octopus's Garden, which was Ringo Starr. So another reason for a second volume was that I would probably showcase some more of the other members of the Beatles. And this next track is a George Harrison track. It is his other contribution to the exceptional Abbey Road album. So he, he provided something and he also provided this. And this apparently is the most streamed Beatles track on Spotify. Here comes the sun. It's a terrific song. It's jolly. It is. He actually revisited the ideas of this on his self-titled album, 10 years later. He had a track called Here Comes the Moon. <laughs> Here Comes the Sun, like I say, it's the most streamed track the Beatles have done. Another contender for their greatest album with other people is Revolver. This is a McCartney track. It's one of his very, very best ballads. It's absolutely, it's perfect songwriting, this is. It's here, there and everywhere. The next track is predominantly written by Lennon from Beatles for Sale, which is an album that's flawed, very flawed. It actually contains, I think, one of the very worst tracks in their entire canon, which is a cover version, thankfully. This isn't, this is no reply. This happened once before, I came to your door, no reply. They said it wasn't you, but I saw you peep through. Your window I saw the light I saw the light I know that you saw me As I looked up to see Your face I like that one. Yeah, on the previous Beatles one we did, you often didn't like Lennon tracks. You didn't particularly like his voice, did you? No, I don't particularly like Lennon's voice. But you like this track and you like his voice on this one, I guess. Sticking with Lennon for a masterpiece. Now, in between you getting volume one and me creating volume two, we found in a charity shop a copy of the Beatles one. And so anything that appeared on one was not going to appear on volume two. This doesn't appear on one because it didn't get to number one on either side of the Atlantic. The flip side of the record did get to number one in the US, which is Penny Lane. But one lacks one of the Beatles' greatest ever songs. It's a John Lennon masterpiece that is Strawberry Fields Forever. Let me take you down, cause I'm going to Strawberry Fields. 
I like that one. It's fun. It's brilliant, actually. You Now, we listened to this on holiday the other week, didn't we? Yeah. And you picked up on something about it sounding like almost two different songs at one point, didn't you? I think I commented at the time that that was very astute listening because they are different recordings that were then spliced together. Even to the point... I remember that. ...where they were actually in slightly different keys and they still, with just mind-boggling genius, really, George Martin managed to splice them together into a cohesive whole that became the released version of Strawberry Fields Forever. The fact this didn't get to number one is still a mystery to me. How the record-buying public didn't recognise how brilliant Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane as a combined single were and bought Please Release Me by Engelbert Humperdinck instead. I will never get. Because this, one of the best singles ever released, didn't get to number one. So an album that's already been mentioned as not being particularly wonderful is Beatles for Sale. But the Beatles original songs on this album, of which there are eight out of 14 tracks, has got some really fine songwriting. And from what I've heard, some of these songs date back to their earliest days of when they were writing stuff. And this is included. It's I'll Follow the Sun. Someday you'll know I was the one but tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. And now the time has come, and so, my love, I must go. Please like this. Uh, no. You don't like this? No, I do like it. Oh. <laughs> Good. There's... It's just a simple, almost pure acoustic song. I think it's really, really fine. And like I say, I think this is one of the earliest songs that McCartney wrote. Let it be known, McCartney is and was an incredible musical and songwriting talent. I don't hear different from anybody. Next pick comes from an album that wasn't released as an album in the UK for 10 years. It was released as an album in the US but it was released as two EPs in the UK. It's from Magical Mystery Tour. And I've got a feeling when we listened to this recently, you did not like this. It's I Am The Walrus. Drug song. <laughs> Can you remember enough of it? Yes. Drug song. Bad drug song. Is it a drug song? It hurts the ears. I have to admit that, generally speaking, I Am The Walrus is viewed as being one of the greatest ever Beatles tracks. The absolute apotheosis of Lennon's songwriting, certainly in the psychedelic period of 1967, and I don't like it very much either. Then why'd you put it on there? Because it's an important Beatles song. There's some great stuff in there. But there's something about the song I've 
I do not think it is as good as everyone else seems to think it is. And I understand why your mum doesn't like the song because of all the radio interference and noise at the end of the record. Now, for years, on the next track, I assumed that the guitar solo was done by George Harrison. So in the Beatles, we have Paul McCartney on bass, John Lennon, rhythm guitar, George Harrison, lead guitar, and then Ringo Starr on drums. And they did interchange other roles and swap instruments from time to time. But I always assumed that the lead electric on Taxman, which is a George Harrison song, was done by George. It wasn't. We'll pick up on who it was after we've listened to a bit. Taxman. Um, bad. I bad? Like, I didn't particularly like that. Oh, I really didn't expect to hear that. What do you not like about Taxman? It's bad. You just say it's bad. You need to have a reason why you don't like Taxman. Cause I, I don't particularly like it. But why? I don't, I don't know. I just, not do you not like the lyrics? Do you not like the sound of it? I what? don't particularly like the sound of it, then. Wow. For me, there were two iconic parts on that. The first one I've already touched on is the lead electric. The second is the bass part. Now, the bass part was so good that 15 years later, it was nicked by Paul Weller for a jam song called Start, which got to number one in 1980. That bass part is attributed to McCartney. And here's the thing, so was the lead electric part that was on that song. So two of the most iconic bits of the song came from the invention that McCartney brought to Harrison's song. It opens up Revolver, but I'm surprised how much you dislike it. Well, yeah, I don't particularly like it at all. It's a slightly more grungy track. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely political. So at the time, the Beatles were being taxed at the level of 95 pence in the pound for their earnings, because they were earning quite a lot and they were in this super high tax bracket that the Labour government at the time had introduced. And George Harrison wasn't very happy about it, clearly. So let's step forward one album in time and back to Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band for the benefit of Mr Kite. The band begins at ten to six When Mr K performs his tricks without a sound And Mr H will demonstrate Ten somersets he'll undertake on solid ground Bing bing, some days in preparation A splendid time is guaranteed for all And tonight Mr Kite is humming the bill I like this one. What in particular do you do you find really positive about being it's for the benefit? It's fun. It is fun. It's lyrically, it's taken directly off a poster that John Lennon owned. It's a direct lift. There's many photos of him showing this poster. Some people have tried to claim it was a it was a drug influenced song, maybe, but those are the lyrics. That's where they come from. What was a drug-influenced song, almost certainly, and we had on volume one, was Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds from the same record. But 
being for the benefit, I don't think is. There's some really interesting stuff that they talked about how they made the carnival atmosphere sound that you get in the song. And it was, they were instructed to record a, like a Wurlitz type organ, the engineers, and then to cut the tape up, throw it all up into the air and then stick it all back together and end up with this random collage of sound from it. The next track is a cover song. This is the first time I included a cover on one of the Beatles ones. And that's another reason why I wanted to do a Beatles volume two because brilliant though their self-penned material is, they had a real talent with taking a song and doing a cover of it that was almost definitive. And this is unquestionably my favorite version of this song. It's Long Tall Sally. I quite like that one. It's cracking. This used to be amongst my all-time favourite Beatles tracks. And that's partly because it was not released on an album. It wasn't released as a single. It was the lead track of an EP of material that only appeared on an EP. And it had a little bit of that mystique of this almost lost Beatles track that I was hearing when they put it onto Past Masters in 1987. It's remarkable in the fact that that is a one-take performance that is as live really really and that mccartney vocal he was taught how to do that by the songwriter himself little richard how to sing a little richard song like little richard and he apes it brilliantly and in my view betters it one take there was they knew the song that well could turn it in like that and it's amazing it's one of the reasons why i love long tall sally so much as a cover version you're waffling. My favourite band. Of course I'm jabbering and waffling. And you're not Stop waffling. You're not contributing. Yes, I am. Well, you're telling me to speed up. You know what I say to that, don't you? Yes. I will. For if I ever saw you I didn't catch your name But it never really mattered I will always feel I like that one, but not a lot. That, I believe, is purely Paul McCartney on that, on all instruments. It's from the White Album, the album which they were kind of starting to fracture and fall apart and pulling in different directions. You're not going to make any comment about my terrible pun? I mean, I'm annoyed by it, but... But what? I guess I can't really complain. Yeah, I know, because you fed me the line without knowing it as well. <laughs> Back to Rubber Soul from 1965 for a John Lennon track and it's Norwegian Wood Bird Flow. I like that one. Great song. Horrible subject. It's about an affair he had, but a really good song. It also features a sitar, which is an Indian music instrument that George Harrison introduced the band to. And it gets that little bit of extra something as a result of it. Mm. Staying with John, 
But jumping forward to their last recorded album, which was Abbey Road, this is Because. Because the wind is high, it blows my kind of sounds like it was written on drugs i'm not sure whether or not it was what i am pretty sure was the case is that it was written when john decided to reverse the chords of beethoven's moonlight sonata <laughs> and he ended up with a song like because out of it the three-part harmony between John, George and Paul is absolutely stunning. And I kind of wish they'd done that more in their recording career. So you've got songs like this and a track called Yes It Is are the most prominent examples of those three-point harmonies that they used to do brilliantly. They blended so well, they just didn't do it anywhere near often enough. I really didn't like that. What didn't you like about Because? It sounded like it was written on drugs. <laughs> it was like a fever dream. Well... I can't say for certain trip. that it wasn't, because at this time in his life, Lennon was on heroin. So he might have been written on drugs. But is it a drug song? I, I didn't say that. Know. I know, I'm 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 not sure it's a drug song exactly, but it's Len Lennon was not necessarily in a great place towards the end of the Beatles lifespan. Let's go all the way back to 1964 and their first film, which was A Hard Day's Night. And this is featured in the film and is a, well, basically it's a love song classic by Paul McCartney. And I love her. I give her all my love. That's all I do. And if you saw my love, I don't particularly like that one either. Any reason why? Slow. Well, it is slower. Although, if you want to hear a slow version of And I Love Her, I've got McCartney's Unplugged record. And the version that they play on there of And I Love Her is so slow as to be almost dirge-like. It's... You realise quite how they got the right tempo on the real recording on Hard Day's Night, because on the one on Unplugged, they're asleep. It's You'll have to hear it, and then you'll appreciate the original song more. Moving forward to comfortably the Beatles' worst album, which is Yellow Submarine. Really? Oh, oh really? There's a reason why Yellow Submarine is their worst album. And I'll, it's simple. There are only four new Beatles songs on it. Oh. There is also All You Need Is Love, which is one of my least favourite Beatles singles, and the song Yellow Submarine, which was originally on Revolver. And then side B of the record is music from the Yellow Submarine film that has been scored by George Martin. So there's only four Beatles songs, so it's comfortably their worst album. But it does contain a song you do like, which is All Together Now, which is on yeah. the first volume. This, however, I think is the best track from the whole of the Yellow Submarine record, it's Hey Bulldog. Hey Bulldog. 
of that that sounded exactly like the Bond theme. So the background chords behind the You Can Talk To Me section is what you mean. Yes. I see your point. Ultimately, of course, McCartney went on to write Live and Let Die for a James Bond film. Hey Bulldog was predominantly written by John, but all of the stuff at the end with all of the... They, they were goofing around in the studio. So all the stuff with the dog barks and stuff was just them playing and they were having a good time. Sticking with John written songs, again, I think there's a few more on this one than there was on the previous. From Revolver, And Your Bird Can Sing. Meh. First meh. Yeah. Oh, man. What about the guitars? The guitars were good. The guitars are incredible. Yeah. There's also a really nice version of this on Anthology 2 where they're basically just giggling while they're recording it. They were probably high on drugs at the time. But you can't like everything. But I do like And Your Bird Can Sing. Let's go way, way back to their first album. Second single, some say was a number one, because it was number one in four charts at the time, but not in the one that ultimately became the official UK chart. It's Please Please Me. Dislike that one. It's it's okay. I feel it's okay as well. It's perfectly fine, and that's the best I'd say about it. I don't not enjoy it a bit like you. Title track now of the EPs that were released in the UK in '67, but as an album in America, it is Magical Mystery Tour. Don't dislike that one. What do no, you mean? I don't, I don't particularly like it, but it's not a, a meh. It's not better a meh. It's better than a meh. Good. Magical Mystery Tour arguably may have been the start of the beginning of the end of the Beatles. That's the point at which McCartney kind of took over. It's the first thing they did after Brian Epstein, their manager, had died. And it was their first full-on flop. It was a colour film that could only really be seen by most people in this country in black and white. And everyone wondered what the heck they were playing at. And Magical Mystery Tour was their first certified flop. The music's great from it. Their first film, however, was a huge success and is a brilliant comedy, which is, of course, Hard Day's Night. This is, again, from both the film and the soundtrack album. It's If I Fell. would be sad if I knew Love to love you and that she 
Beautiful harmonies between Lennon and McCartney. It's calm. Proper high harmonies as well from, from McCartney that you can actually hear his voice cracking a little bit on one of the in vain lines. We're getting towards the end. We're over two thirds of the way through because this is quite a long selection of songs because most of their songs in the early days were two to three minutes. It's our third pick from a George Harrison composition. It's from the White Album. And it's Savoy Truffle. I really like Savoy Truffle, but I've got a feeling you won't. I don't know that. I had a sure. feeling you wouldn't. Any reason why? I thought, I know it's weird. Again, it sounds like it's been always written on drugs. Probably was. At this point, George was becoming increasingly dissatisfied in the Beatles. And there's a reading that Savoy Truffle is actually a bit of a dig at Paul McCartney, suggesting that his songs are a little bit too syrupy or sugar sweet, which I think is a little bit unfair. The next track I know you do like because it gets featured in an animated movie called Minions, which you don't the like the film, but you do like the song. From Revolver again, it's got to get you into my life. Ooh, then I suddenly see you. Ooh, did I tell you I need you every single day of my life? Yeah, I, I like this one. Terrific, isn't it? What it's really about, apparently, is an ode to pot, as in cannabis. Got to get you into my life. He wrote a song about smoking cannabis. He was a very fierce exponent of cannabis for recreational use. And that was all the way up until around about a decade ago when he married his third wife. McCartney? Uh, yeah, McCartney. He'd been busted for cannabis possession several times in his career. The next track is an acoustic guitar one. I think there's three acoustic guitars on it and it's Really, really good. It's from Hell. It's I've just seen a face. Falling, yes, I'm falling, and she keeps calling me back again. I've just seen a face, I can't forget the time or place where we just met. She's just the girl for me, and I want all the world to see we've met. I like that one. Brilliant, isn't it? This is one of only five. Beatles songs that when McCartney was touring with Wings in the mid-70s, he included in the set. He clearly rates I've Just Seen a Face to have included it during that period. And it's one of the highlights of the Wings Over America triple album that covers that live period. I've Just Seen a Face is a great song. Mm. So we talked about George Harrison. We referred to Lennon songs, McCartney songs. There is, of course, a fourth member of the Beatles, wasn't there? Yeah. Who only wrote two songs in his entire time with the Beatles. At least with sole authorship anyway. One, of course, was on the first volume we did of this, which is... Octopus's Garden? Yeah. 
This is the first song he wrote for the Beatles. It's from the album The Beatles, aka the White Album. It's Don't Pass Me By. Don't pass me by, don't make me cry, don't make me blue. Cause you know, darling, I love only you. You'll never know it hurt me so. I'll hate to see you go, don't pass me by. I didn't think you did when we last listened to it. I thought you disliked Don't Pass Me By. Oh, you don't love it. It's the lesser of the Ringo songs. Yes. Octopus's Garden is, is a significant step up. There's some odd lyrics in Don't Pass Me By, like, I'm sorry that I doubted you, I was so unfair. You were in a car crash and you lost your hair. Back to Rubber Soul for another great classic John composition. It's Nowhere Man. He's a real nowhere man. Sitting in his nowhere land Making all his nowhere plans for nobody I like that one. Remember what I said about the great three-way harmonies? That's another great example of it, Nowhere Man. John, Paul and George blending their vocals so well in harmonies that feel both entirely natural and at the same time completely different from what you would normally do. It's an Incredible song, Nowhere Man. And the sequence, like I say, in, in Yellow Submarine adds a touch of extra regret to an already regretful song. Penultimate track. So we're going back to their very first album, Please Please Me, for the very last track on it. It's a cover version. It's one of John Lennon's greatest ever vocal performances in Twisted Show. Some of the background vocals are weird. What do you mean weird? That one. Well, they were doing a cover version of an original. I mean, the, if a definition of a great cover version is that you think it's the original, twist and shouts amongst those categories. Lennon had a cold when he recorded that. It was at the end of a long day recording session where they recorded the vast majority of the Please Please Me album. And he delivers a vocal chord shredding performance coupled with McCartney's incredible high harmonies in the well shouting part it's a it transcends its original version which is the Isley Brothers so we come now to track 27 the last one on the CD obviously the first track was actually two of them so it's actually really track 28 and in fact it is actually track 28 29 and 30 it is the final closing medley from their Final studio recorded album, Abbey Road. It's Golden Slumbers, Carry That Weight and The End. Once there was a way To get back homeward Once there was a way To get back home Sleep pretty darling, do not cry 
And I will sing a lullaby I love that one. It is brilliant. It, it's just... It's sad that it's in Sing. Though Sing is not a bad film. It's just a <laughs> meh film. Not like Do you like all three parts? So yes. obviously you love Golden Slumbers. Then there's Carry That Weight. I where... like Carry That Weight as well. And there's also Revisiting in Carry That Weight of You Never Give Me Your Money from earlier on on the medley side of Abbey Road. And then there's The End. Exception of a hidden track on Abbey Road, that was in all purpose, that was the end of the Beatles. The track, The End, is the end of the Beatles. And even now, it can sometimes get me hearing that that end triple song sequence. McCartney still plays this live Wait, as so well. Wait, so is, the, is, the Ab Ab is Abbey Road the last, was the Abbey Road the last Beatles album? Yes and no. That's dumb. Well, it's not. Yes and no. So, very recently was released Peter Jackson's six-hour... Was it nine-hour? I can't remember. Quite six hour. It was Peter Jackson's restoration of the footage of the Get Back sessions, which ultimately became the album Let It Be. That was recorded in January 1969. Abbey Road was recorded after that and was released before it. So Abbey Road was released in 69. The Let It Be album was released in 1970. Abbey Road was their last studio album, although it was not their last released. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, so it was the last recorded, but not the last one they released. Let It Be is an album that until recently, I didn't really care for very much. That Get Back project has made me re-listen to Let It Be. And actually, there's a lot more in there than I, than I used to like now. Why are you there talking nothing, about that? There is nothing, because when I made this CD, there was nothing from Let It Be on it. Oh. I think I included Let It Be on your volume one. And it's part of the reason why, spoilers, there may well be a volume three of the Beatles to come. But that's some way down the get line. Get back. Well, get back get won't back. be on it because get back is on. Get back to where you once belonged. But get back is on Beatles one. So it's not going to be on one of yours. You've got a copy of it. It's a great song, get back. And actually, I'll have to show you the moment on the get back documentary where the song is pretty much created out of nothing by Paul McCartney. He's just sitting around waiting for Lennon to show up in the studio. 
and he creates the backbone of what will become Get Back. It's quite a, an incredible moment, which everybody says when they watch it, that feels like you're watching a piece of history being made. It's quite incredible. So that concludes volume two of the Beatles in Daddy's Introduction series. I think it's safe to say that they're, they're my favourite band, but you've enjoyed this CD quite a bit, haven't you? And yeah. I think you like the majority of it. Yeah. This has been a fairly pleasant listen through for you, hasn't it? Yeah. So am I going to get a good one in? Jaws Revenge. Okay, what you got? Today I've got a Lena Rain track. Lena Rain? Yes. I don't think I've ever heard of her. She is a video game music designer. Oh, this is not from... No, it's from Minecraft. Oh gosh, that's just got even worse. It is Other Side. Okay, let me hear it. That was Other Side by Lena Ray. I can tell you don't like it. You can tell, right? Even though it's kind of like a Mike Oldfield song that it builds and builds and builds. Yeah, but Mike Oldfield has musical invention. That is musical that invention. That was diddled it, diddled it, pretty much all the way through with a few little bits across the top. It was minimalism. And actually, you say I like Mike Oldfield. I do. I was listening to Incantations, his fourth album, not long ago. And I realised I don't like that album because it's overly minimalistic. So actually, I don't like everything by Oldfield. And that... No, that wasn't for me at all. Well, thank you very much for listening. It's time for our cross-promotion. I have my YouTube channel, Pock and Rock, which I am putting stuff on every week. And at the moment, Joel is joining me to run through our top 100 songs of all time. We're doing that every couple of weeks. We are halfway through. Joel, you too have a YouTube channel. It is Foxy King Nintendo. If you enjoy this podcast, then please tell other people about it. They might enjoy it as well. We'd love to see numbers rising. To everybody who does listen, we thank you a huge amount. We really appreciate it. Listen out for our usual musical clue on the next episode, which Joel's pretty looking forward to. He, he quite likes the next one. E. So listen out for that. And we'll be back in two or three weeks' time with that episode. But until then, this is Pock and Rock signing off. Bye. Bye. Generation mix.